When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm here with, you'll never guess who, Super who? Nick. Who? It's you. Super. It's Super Nick. Why am I Super Nick? Why can't you be Super Nick? I've been asking myself that my whole life. <laughs> I do I figured, not look good in spandex, though. <laughs> I figured a whole room full of superheroes and Godzillas, you gotta be Super Nick. There's surprisingly not that many superheroes in this room. There's almost, there's one superhero. There's literally only Captain America. Really? Yeah. But a lot of them? Not so much anymore. Hmm. All right, then. Well, then scratch all of that. Then you're not Super Nick. You're Godzilla Nick. Uh, okay, so yes, I, I prefer Godzilla Nick or Nickzilla to make it short, <laughs> but maybe not. So fun fact, everybody, the word Godzilla is a combination of two different symbols, one meaning Goji, which is gorilla, and the other one, Zilla, meaning whale or Gojira, which would be the Japanese pronunciation of it. So uh, if I was Nick Zilla, I'd be Nick Whale. And while I am really large, I don't know if I'm ready to take that mantle yet. I think I just learned more in that minute than I have all month. You're welcome. Wow. Anyways, how are you doing? I have a headache from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I am okay. I'm I'm doing paperwork, Mike. I mean, it's it is what it is. It's tax time. It's, it, it, is. it is tax time. And now you own a business. It's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, no one ever tells you that when you start to build and own a business, all those exciting factors that you're just vibrating over. That's not what the whole job is. Well, no, the problem, and, and we just discussed this, I didn't take the greatest records or didn't keep the greatest records throughout 2021. So and now I hear kind of picking up pieces and putting things together and figuring out when my math was right, when my math was wrong, why my math was wrong and how to make sure it doesn't happen again. So it's a, it's a lot of bits and pieces, but I'll get through it. Well, understandable. So having that business is a ton of work and watch this. I have a transition. You have a ton of work doing that. At some point you'll need a vacation. I will need a vacation. You're right. I I've been thinking about, <laughs> I've been thinking about vacations all week long. You don't even know. I've been looking at properties I'll never be able to afford in places I have no business living. <laughs> well, and Jamie just yesterday was saying, did you know that you can get a cruise and uh, through Alaska for like $60 a day? Yeah. And I said, well, it's cold. You know, no, it's during August. So she's right. It, it's I, so cold. She's talking trips. She's She's got camping things going on. So it's a great segue into what we're talking about this week. Something that you've been trying to strong arm me into that finally has showed up on our calendar. It, we're going to talk about sustainability and vacations. Oh, that is awesome. I'm because excited. Because I think the first thing that when you were thinking vacations, you were thinking large boats. Okay. Well, no. When I was when I was thinking sustainability, I was thinking about non-essential floating cities that we call cruise ships. Yes, <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, you can call them large boats, but th that's a whole another. We could do a whole episode on big boats. I mean, there is a whole gamut of ways I could complain about them. But right now, I'm referring to cruises. 
Well, you know what's amazing is I started digging into this concept and I'm thinking, okay, so what is a vacation? What is a vacation really? And in, in, the, in the eyes of sustainability, a vacation is relaxation, separation from the stresses of life and relaxation. That doesn't necessarily mean, because if you're a person like me, vacations are stressful. If you're on planes and boats and traveling and living as if you don't have a home, you know, however you're having your vacation, I know I'm not allowed to say that. Jamie gets mad when I say camping is spending a ton of money to pretend like we're homeless. It's okay. I'll say it. I'll say it. I say it all the time, actually. <laughs> but really what it should be is relaxation, calming, getting back to being a human, being a being a person. Vacation has turned into where do I go? What do I see? How do I get there? And that is where I think some of the disconnect happens between vacation and sustainability, because honestly, a vacation can be anything that makes you feel better, anything that makes you relax for a little bit and gets you away from your daily grind, hmm. away from our process to more of a person. See, I think that there's a couple ways to look at it. I think that in an ideal world, the purpose of vacation would serve would be to allow you to get back in touch with who you actually are as a person. Because when you get caught in the day-to-day -day stresses of, you know, your, your job, your dragging, terrible responsibilities, priorities, stresses, even things you love, like take, like your kids and running them here and there. And all these little things just eat away at your soul because you have to do them because they're a priority. Regardless of the reason you saddled yourself with that priority, some things you just have to do. And they have to be done whether you like them or not. That wears on you. So in ideal world, you go on vacation, you, you separate yourself from all that stress, and you, you're able to kind of get back in touch with who you are. The, the disconnect comes in the notion that most of that stuff is super hard to book and is super expensive, and you only get a certain timetable to do it. So when you look at all these, oh, that looks like it'll be fun. That looks like it'll be amazing, blah, blah, blah. Well, this is our itinerary for this. And this is what we're doing here. And your vacations more often are more time stranger than your real life is. And so it's there's a lot of disconnect. And we're not even touching on the sustainability part yet. We're just talking about like your, your soul as a person. Like, yeah. You know how many people go on vacation and then need another day off of work to recover from their vacation? Well, no one can see this right now, but I'm raising my hand. Matter of fact, it's a requirement for when Jameson creates whatever vacation we have. She is an experienced person and tries to jam in as many experiences she can in a small amount of time. That wears me out. Mm -hmm. And when it, one of the requirements about our vacations are is that I need a day that when we get back to reset to go back to my daily grind. Cause if not, I, I come back twice as exhausted as when I left. Mm -hmm. I am one of those people. I am that person that needs that moment, that reset. And then let's be honest, other than the experiences that I find are cool, the true relaxation happens in that one day. Uh, it doesn't matter if we're camping. Matter of fact, you've camped with me several times. Here's how you know that I have fully unwound and relaxed. I do not have a thing to think about, not business, not work, not any of these things, because I immediately go to sleep. And there has been camping trips where I've slept full days. There is something to be said about that. You slept a lot. <laughs> at the last we trip we went on and i was really surprised and, and but to be honest i'm not overly that different i didn't sleep as much on the trip with you but the the trip we took with our some of our friends to mackinac uh earlier in that summer it, every day it was the same thing we got up 
it was super cold in the morning, went to the restroom, got some coffee, you know, got around and right about eating lunchtime. We'd go to bed. We'd fall asleep at like noon, one o'clock. We'd get up at like five every day. We, I took a four hour nap. I don't take naps. Mm-hmm. Neither do I. And it was just, I was so calm. I do. I do want to add this after making our homeless living joke thing. I've never been a very big fan of camping. And to some degree, I'm still not. I'm a huge fan of spending time with my family and friends. And that is the best part for me that I get out of camping. It's just sitting around BSing with everyone. You know, you're making memories and having a good time. But because I'm so relaxed, I do. I do the same thing. I sleep way more than I, I would, you know, really realize until then. Yeah, it's, and to me, that's the relaxation part. And you know, we no longer sleep in tents because of me. And I know that's going to sound horrible on this show. I, I am not a fan of laying on the ground and sleeping. I'm a 45-year-old man, and I don't wake up as easily and exuberant as I once did when I slept on hard surfaces. So Jamie has has gotten a, a pretty primitive but new camper, and it's it serves two purposes. It gives us shelter while camping so that I will go, and it also kind of we're practicing tiny house living. Because as these kids get older, that is our mm-hmm. plan. Our plan, if we end up in Hawaii, yay. But if, even if we don't, it's where we are greatly downsizing. We are already starting to plan to live that green life. And okay. the camper gives us some of that practice, too. It, it gets me used to it because that's I'm a bigger problem in this than she is. That, that girl is highly adaptable and can do can live just about anywhere at the drop of a hat. I'm the weird one. So it does serve those purposes. But when you start looking at vacations, it seems to always get more and more and more elaborate. And it doesn't, I mean, just travel, just to get to your vacation. Do you fly? Do you drive? Do you take a bus? Do you take a train? How do you get from point A to point P on your vacations? Because that for sustainability means a lot too. The fact that I have to hook my truck to that camper and run it through the mountains to Virginia has a carbon footprint that is quite large. Now we go there because there's family. So it's not that we're just going there because that's a place. We go there for specific people, which is, you know gives us a little more purpose. But we're still creating this huge carbon footprint as I'm taking a full-size truck with a camper on the back through mountains. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people say, I want to go on vacation, and they fly. Because there's always, especially nowadays, a lot of inexpensive deals. You you can spend a weekend in Florida with a friend, and it didn't cost you an arm and a leg, but you're flying. And by far, just so you know, out of all the ways to travel, flying is by far the worst, even with it being mass transportation. Well, I mean, it's it's a much different fuel. It's not like it's comparable to gas. So it would make sense that it's worse. Also, it's... And maybe I'm just making this up in my head because it helps relate it to me. But like, it's not most of the the exhaust and emissions that are on this planet that that come from vehicles and transportation are are on the ground. And down here we have plants and we have nature to kind of help filter that and turn like the CO2 into oxygen and all this stuff. Planes are in the air. They are as far up as you're going to get before you leave the atmosphere. So those emissions just kind of stay there. Those emissions for each of them stay there. It's just that one is placed where it's going to stay and one is placed where it's going to be lighter than air and move up. We, we look at the emissions of flights, cruise ships, trains, buses. If we drive ourselves, these all matter. Flight, 
no matter how we look at it, for fuel reasons, travel reasons, are the worst. Mm-hmm. Now, the one that you've picked out is the worst overall. The one that you've discussed, even wanting to go on because you haven't experienced it yet. I will tell you on a side note, Jamie made a joke last night that says, maybe our retirement should be from going from one inexpensive cruise to another. And my answer was, I am not retiring on, on the ocean. <laughs> I am not a water person to begin with. No. (laughs) So, but cruise ships, let's talk about the embodied energy and carbon footprint, because I know you've been wanting to, of a cruise ship. Okay. I don't think you can calculate the embodied energy of a cruise ship. I think it's incalculable. I think the amount of time and math and data it would take to put that together will blow your cotton pick in mind. Well, just the food side. So, Someone told me just recently that they were on a cruise and it was like unlimited food. They bring you whatever you want. Yeah. And they would bring out, I'm going to try this meal. Out comes this large plate of a gourmet meal, this fancy meal. They took one bite and said, I don't like tuna. Let's try octopus. And they took that plate away. Yeah. And threw it away. Yep. And then they brought out another gourmet plate of this and laid it out there. And they took one bite and went, that's really quite gross let's try this and they were bragging about how they tried nine meals before they got to this one meal they really enjoyed can you imagine not only the embodied energy of that one meal because it took all those other meals to get to this one but all the lives lost from where in the world the travel that it took for this plate nine times to feed this one person one time well yeah and so depending on the cruise, but most of them are all inclusive. So when you get to go to those those dinners, you sit down, you can order the entire menu for one person. They'll bring everything. You can pick and choose and nibble and blah, blah, blah. And that that's insane to me. But what, what becomes why the reason I said it's incalculable is because you have to like you have to be able to really wrap your mind around how many people are on that cruise, how much food is stocked at every single different place on the cruise to eat, to potentially feed them. And keep in mind, it's not like all cruise ships have one dining room. Oh no. They usually have one per floor and then restaurants and bars. And it's, it's a city on the ocean. They have everything you could ever want. So like how much food, could a cruise ship hold? How much does a cruise ship waste? How many times, if you're on a two-week cruise, does it have to dock and restock its supplies to keep those people fed? Well, and it's fed, like I just said, because I bet you there's at least a quarter of the people try something they don't like, knowing that they don't have to pay for it because they already have. You know, it's one of those opportunities. Oh, I've never had this before. Let's give it a shot. Oh, I don't yeah. like it. Never mind. Give me the steak. And then it, that's a ton I mean, first of all, steak has a tremendous amount of embodied energy to begin with. Same thing with fish nowadays, When because of if you start accounting for the lack of fish in our ocean, this person's taking a bite going, nope, off to the trash it goes. That, that in itself, while re, having that conversation with that person, you know how hard it was while they were bragging about this to not just lose your mind on them? Yeah, I do. And I, I understand their mentality because it's... It's the same mentality for anything in life. When you've never had something or access to it, you tend to overcompensate when you get a taste of it. So for people that hit the lottery, they buy a giant house because they lived in a trailer their whole life. or They lived in a small one-bedroom or two-bedroom house. They buy this house they don't need. When you 
when you've never had a super nice meal and you go to a, uh, a cruise ship and they're like, Hey, you can have whatever you want. You're like, give me everything. Right. It's like the kid that gets the gifts, the gift card to the candy store. I mean, it's just when you, when something is normally really ratcheted down in your life, you tend to go the opposite direction that I understand that. And that's very much the kind of human nature kind of thing. You see it with your dogs. You know, if you're the kind of person that only feeds your dog a cup of food at a time, if you were just to give him a whole bowl full of food, he'd eat the whole thing. But it's because you only give him a cup at a time because he's worried when it's going to get more like it's it's a subconscious need for excess when you're not used to something being in abundance. And when you're in a cruise ship, everything is in abundance. Right. From the alcohol to the food, to the entertainment, to the waste, to the sheer remarkable amount of poor decisions one person can make. Well, and that's why when I looked up, there is organizations out there that tell you how sustainable your cruise ship is. <clears throat> and the cruise industry has decided to stop using them. Probably a good choice. Because the like if it's a, a rating from A to F, there's only a couple that get into the Ds. Yeah, most are probably sitting around G. <laughs> it's just... So even when they say, hey, we don't use diesel engines anymore. We're all electric and we've got solar power and this and we got that. It doesn't matter when you don't change the function of the ship. When you don't change those overabundances of things with huge embodied energy uh, footprints like steaks and dinners and, and the food that they're they're bringing in on there. And not to count the liquor. You know, I've been trying to decide what's worse in terms of carbon footprint for the environment beef or farmed fish i've been really trying to figure that out i say that because you know, cattle ranching is it's bad for emissions but one cow feeds a lot of people or can feed a lot of people versus i mean you've seen the you've seen that documentary about the, the fish and, and scotland and stuff like that so I, i've been trying to figure out if there is a if there is a better or worse than scenario or if it's pick your poison you know you you don't get to choose not to pick one you have to pick one if you're if you're going to eat dinner, I mean, you can choose to be a vegetarian and, and that has its merits. But with the cruise ships, with like everything in abundance, if OK, here's a great example. Mike, have you ever been on a cruise? I have not. I'm not surprised you hate water. If let's say and I'm guessing because I don't know how many people they hold. I don't have a clue. Let's I'm going to say a thousand people. Does that sound like it's reasonable? I mean, it's it's probably several hundred, I would say maybe three or four hundred. You think three I think I'm, let me do a quick Google search, sir, because <laughs> that's, I that's wanna, what editing's for. You, that's fine. Now, I do know that there's like super ships and then there are standard size ships. So there could be two different styles and how many that can fit in there. Oh, for sure. And there's a difference between the, the ships like there, there's um the huge ones that are in the ocean. And then the average cruise ship carries about 3000 people. Oh, never mind. I was very far off. All right. Well, that's painful. Now think about that meal situation now when you have 3000 people. Well, yeah, if you if you just average that out about 3 meals a day, which is outlandish and outdated, but that's what we're going to go with cuz that's what people still, you know, associate with life. 3000 passengers, 3 meals a day, that's 9000 meals if the cruise is 7 days long. That's what what's that? What's 9 times 7, Mike? It's 63. 63 thousand sixty three thousand sixty three thousand meals if no one takes a second one 
Yeah, not including their snacks in between, not including being hungover, getting bright, like, like getting something else, not including midnight munchies and all. And that's and okay. So then, what what does a meal mean? Okay, so like if you say meal, are we talking like a number one at McDonald's? Are we talking about a steak dinner at Lucky's? Or well, we talking- on the cruise ship, you're talking usually a meal meal. Like they're going and getting a steak, they're going and getting a baked chicken, they're going and getting something that is larger now breakfast which has always been a subpar meal is a much easier one because it usually has to do with eggs but i guarantee they load it with sausage and bacon and the rest of the meats i bet you that uh, quite often that comes with a steak so you know when it comes to these meals sixty-three thousand meals your all your late night partiers are hitting one more meal before bed they're, they're quote mm-hmm. unquote fourth meal you're probably closer to between 75 and eighty thousand meals Absolutely. And you got to figure that's a starch. It's a protein, veg, rolls. So I was reading an article the other day about, about bakers and cruise ships generally have two to three pastry chefs that make rolls from the time they get up to the time they go to bed. All they do is make rolls. They have machines where they, they make these 55 to 60 pound dough balls. They put them in a machine. The machine is just got a great system. It's a nonstick, like looks like a big metal lattice to press the dough ball through it. Makes the rolls, they let them proof, they bake them, boom, they're gone, and they're just pumping them out into these dining rooms. It's, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fat guy, like I like food, but like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, like, and that that is just cruise ships because, like you like you called them, they they are really mini cities. They have more people on that boat than this town has in it. So they really are small, compressed cities floating on the ocean. That to me, the embodied energy on a cruise is so much greater than just a single flight because of that because of the amount of waste and on a flight the more people that are on it the less embodied energy you have at the end the less the smaller the carbon footprint you fly by yourself versus having 60 people on the flight it's a different number by far but on a cruise the more people that are on it the worse it gets only the fuel economy gets better everything yeah. else gets worse well yeah because the more the more people equal more consumption but also you got to realize that flight in general is utility versus a cruise which is luxury and it's a very big difference you go on the flight no one goes on the flight to eat the food and drink the booze they go on the flight to get to the place where they want to eat the food and drink the booze right. they, you go on the cruise ship to eat the food drink the booze you know hung over by the pool you know and, and here's another thing that i think is just ridiculous i don't understand the idea of getting on a boat in the water to get in a bucket of water on the boat in the water but that's that's just me. I've never been on the cruise. I don't understand it. There is a lot more that goes into it. And now the draw to cruises is that it's convenient. When you look at, you kind of touched on this earlier about going look vacations and stuff and, and figuring out like your, your arrangements, you don't have to with the cruise. All you have to do is find a way to get to the airport from where you live. And then you go to the airport. Usually you'll have a shuttle or like a taxi that takes you to where your cruise departs. And then everything else you need is there. If you choose to get off when the cruise docks, if it's a long one, and see the sites at wherever you're at for that day, then you choose to do that. But otherwise, if people are going to go on vacation, you know, they have to plan, you know, what they're going to do every day, where they're going to eat, how they're going to eat, where they're going to stay, what they're going to do. There's a lot of planning that kind of gets overwhelming for people. So a cruise is just easier. You pay all your money in one spot. Everything's there. Well, and then you just brought up a pretty funny point that I somehow missed in this conversation. For the vast majority of people who get on a cruise ship, 
they have to fly to the part to the place where they get on the cruise ship. Indeed, they do. So we can take the single worst transportation to the second worst transportation, sustainability wise. Yep, and and that, that's how most people are going to do it. I I don't have any problem with people going on vacation. I don't want anyone to understand that. I don't mind that at all. But I, I do have an issue with the lack of consideration that goes into this kind of stuff. Like I think it'd be an interesting job to work for a cruise line and work as a sustainability manager and be able to start piece by piece trying to fix little portions of those. Because your goal is to, just like in normal life, just like we say to everybody else, your goal is to be more sustainable without decreasing your standard of living. Okay, we don't want to make mm-hmm. living hard because you're doing something more sustainable. We're trying to find these pieces that fit where it becomes more sustainable but does not change the experience. I think that would be an interesting job, like taking a cruise ship and going piece by piece through it to become as sustainable as humanly possible without changing much of the experience. I, I do too. And I, I think what you would find, and I'm I'm just guessing here, but I think to do that, you have to lower the amount of people you would take on the cruise. I think you would have to convert part of the ship to growing its own food. And it wouldn't be something you could just do at the drop of a hat, unless you're talking about changing the way cruises are and keeping them exactly the same, but just trying to make them more efficient and more and completely more sustainable Then I'm sure that there's got to be ways to do it. There's got to be ways to make things more recyclable, more reusable, less wasteful, maybe limit the amount of things people have. Yeah, create a closed loop system where anything that is a waste becomes a nutrient or something. I think that would be very interesting. And I would be exceptionally interested in taking cruises that were designed in that way. Because Jamie's already learned, I will analyze everything through a whole vacation because to me, that's relaxation. So travel is either flight, ship, flight and ship. Occasionally trains. I had a friend of mine come from Florida back up to Michigan on a train. Instead mm-hmm. of taking a flight, uh, he did it for the experience because he had never done it before. He did well. He he rented one of those, and there he got his own little like car, his own little area there, and he did it for the experience of taking a train from Florida to Michigan. But that is not the common way to travel is by train, mm-hmm. although it is much more efficient than than flights or ships or any of those things. And that I don't. Okay, I see your face. Efficient doesn't always mean time because <laughs> it will take a lot more time. But you it do will see be... my face, but you you say efficient. My brain went enjoyable. I've never been on a plane, but I love taking train rides. I like the slow, steady chugga chugga through the countryside, seeing all the different sites. I like trains. I know that you don't and you live in like the train capital of Michigan, but I do. I think they're cool. Well, you like trains, and as you have said before, anything that you can jump on and it doesn't do a whole bunch of moving, you're you're loving. I am a huge fan of human innovation and and human industry. I am. It's it, you. We may be in a part of life where we're looking at how to move forward and kind of move away from some of the less you know efficient practices of the past and of today. It doesn't change how amazing they were at the time. And when you stand on a steam engine, that's the size of your house. You're just like, Whoa, like, I think they're cool. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, the first time I was on a battleship, I, I, don't, I don't remember what it was, the Wisconsin or something. It was docked Navy pier in Chicago. First time I stood at the base of one of those massive cannons, I was like, I would fit inside this thing. I don't get that feeling often. <laughs> I, I think it's awesome. Well, I'm going to go to some of the stats that I had I had pulled out because 
you and I have just kind of jumped into this topic and and no pun intended off the rails, but I think it's all been good conversation. But some things I want to talk about is that for flights, an average flight uses 800 and uh, I'm sorry, 8,255 gallons of fuel. Wow. And there's 87,000 flights per day on average. Okay, when you say on average, what does that break down to in terms of mileage? Are we talking coast to coast, or are we talking, like, how long do you have to fly to use up that many gallons? That's just, that's a, that's taking the average from the long flights and the short flights. That's it. International flights over the ocean flights versus I'm going from from Detroit to Cleveland. Yeah, I, 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 I understand that. I know how to get an average, Michael. I understand the meaning of the word mean. But what I'm asking is, what does the number break down to? I have no idea. No okay, idea. Okay, well, that's fine. I thought that's what you asked. No, you listen to the words coming out my mouth. <laughs> so. Out of all of those, I expected a lot of gallons of fuel to run a turbine. What I didn't expect is that we, on average, in in this world, have about eighty seven thousand flights a day. It, to me, that's a lot. That is a lot of flights, and I get it. Some places go back and forth, back and forth all day long, but that's a lot of flights. You think that, but like, okay, so on average, how many people are going to be on a plane at a time? Uh, was it sixty to eighty? Okay, so even if if we round that up to a hundred, you said eighty seven thousand times a hundred is only what eight and a half million, almost nine million people a day. A day. There's seven billion people on the planet, Mike. I understand. There's still a tremendous amount of people trying to get further than they could drive. No, no, I agree with that. My point is though is that the number doesn't surprise me because I actually expected it to be higher. No. Oh. Uh, I guess at one point it probably was too, because these are these are COVID numbers, and I know flights have been oh greatly the COVID reduced. numbers. Yep, like pre-COVID or during COVID. During COVID, that's the oh. most recent report of flights per day. Oh, we got to look at the report before COVID. I'm, I'm afraid to now. Yeah. So when you're traveling, we know that transportation mode airplane is the worst. The second worst is your car by putting us in our own private transportation, we're creating a large footprint. Because I'm, I'm only putting the five people in my family in my truck, hooking the camper on and, and getting, and getting miles. eight miles to the gallon all the way to Virginia, where if we had a place to stay there and we took a bus, it'd be greatly lower the amount of embodied energy and carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. Mass transit is always best. What I didn't know is that trains, and I guess I, I do understand it because so many more people fit on a train than a bus, but trains are considered one of the most efficient ways to travel in sustainability. And I, and I assume that is primarily because so many people can fit on it. Mass transportation well, option. I don't know a lot about how much more added force they need to generate to pull additional carts of, of people, but I assume... But those those motors have a pretty high output in that they could probably pull a lot of people with not a whole lot of extra energy use. Like I think that trains are designed in terms of like the rails and the cars and stuff for like kind of minimal inertia, uh, not inertia friction, sorry, minimal friction, right? So like when they go across the rails, there's not a whole lot that stops them. That's why they're so hard to stop because there is no 
friction and they're so heavy so i assume that like when you get a train going once it's going it probably it's almost like what i would call cruise where it's like minimal fuel usage Mm -hmm. i can imagine it they can probably hold way more people and probably haul a lot more than what they already do in terms of like citizen transportation if that became the main way to transport people it would probably be way better for the environment versus trains i think we're gonna gonna get to a point where planes are less used because of Hyperloop. Hyperloop so can, can get you, please you from explain that to me. Yes. Uh, when you go to the bank and you put that little thing inside the air suction and it disappears and goes inside, mm-hmm. your check just took a Hyperloop trick. Yep. So what it does is you have this long tube with a, a train car inside. And what it does is it decreases the pressure in front of it, increases the pressure behind it, and gives an electrical charge to the track, to the, to the train itself. So you decrease the front, increase the back, it pushes forward, and then it's electrically driven from there. So is that like a vacuum tube? I don't, just kind of I, I don't think it out of the other. Yeah, I don't think it actually uses it as a vacuum. It just it's a decrease and increase. A vacuum is zero. Mm-hmm. So I think it works towards that. But you can travel at speeds just as quickly, if not quicker, in a hyperloop than you can on a flight. So are those already in use? So okay, so I believe. In Arizona, and I believe it was MIT that created the first functional one, and they were able to transport people from point A to point B. The problem was, remember, relativity, you have to gradually speed up and gradually slow down for your passengers to not notice because there's no windows. You're in a tube so you have no bearings. You have to be very careful about they did. They sped up too quick. They stopped too early or too quick. There was a lot of people getting sick. So they know there's some calibration to do, but the function, but the, the technology works. So wouldn't they, in theory, want to design it so the place, like I'll call it the cabin, where people actually are, is sub-built inside of like a, like you have your, you have the Hyperloop itself, you have the vehicle, the vessel that moves. Wouldn't they want to sub-build something inside that has a layer of, a padded layer of insulation that allows for the flexing? So as it moves, it goes real fast and it slows, you know, down real quick. It has, it's almost like a, like a motion dampener. Like it it absorbs it and reduces the amount of inertia felt inside. It would be the same equivalent as to the, it would serve the same purpose as a egg white and egg yolk inside of an eggshell. So essentially like if you, if you designed it like an egg with a stronger exterior though, mind you, you can throw an egg as, as hard as you want, like as hard as you want. And if you can catch it without breaking the shell, Yoke is intact. Doesn't get scrambled. It doesn't get beat up. They people say they do, but it's really hard to scramble an egg inside the shell. Like it's really hard. So I mean, like, there's gotta be a way to do that. There's gotta be a way to like kind of Well, there's okay. So there is some uh, shock absorption in the in the design. But there's only so much there's only so much you can do. So when you have no windows and you're traveling together, everybody in the vehicle has the same reference frame. Absolutely. So what you'll end up with is this slow increase while you're seated. Then you'll get that ding. You are now able to walk around the cabin because once you've hit your cruising speed to you, it's zero. Now it's flying. It's moving at three, four hundred miles per hour outside. But you're capable of wandering around as if you're standing still because you are all within the same reference frame. And that reference frame does it as long as you're not speeding up or slowing down. It doesn't change. 
So to you, you're in equilibrium, no different than in, if you're in space and you're on doing a spacewalk, you're really traveling at 22,000 miles per hour around the planet, but you're hanging on to the International Space Station and to you, you're both traveling at zero. Yeah, well, it, it is different, though, because like when you're it's OK, so this is the way I'm going to equate this when you're driving in a car. Okay, you're in a car, right? Mm-hmm. You're sitting there having a conversation. You're fine. You don't feel anything on your body. You put the window down. You put your hand outside the window. And all of a sudden, you're feeling all the force of the air because you're being pushed through it. Yep. You don't get that because you're protected from it inside of your your cat your vessel, like in the hyperloop. Like you're not going to feel anything because mm-hmm. all of the the force is being handled or taken on by the outside of the vessel that you're in. So that sets your reference frame. You just feel like you're normal. You're going to have a conversation. You're also not going to get the um like the responses your body has because you don't have any windows. Like we talked about this before, like when you're driving, your body just has instant responses to like the inertia. So you don't even realize it. You're just like adjusting to the movement your muscles Mm -hmm. are. So I get that. I think that that's something that is definitely going to have to be looked into more. I mean, I wish, I wish I knew the science behind this where I could actually not sound like an idiot when we talk about it. (laughs) The cool thing about it is, is it's going to allow mass transportation for lots of people to go from one place to another, very far away, even quicker than flight. Once that network is built and it will use a lot less. uh, It doesn't have to be. It can be above ground, but it is going to have a tremendous savings on energy. It doesn't take nearly as much electricity to run a Hyperloop as it does fuel to fly a plane. And we can take more people on the Hyperloop. And you can make it a better experience. Anybody who's ever flown on a regular basis, it's not exactly comfortable. There's no space in there. It is not comfortable. And even when the, the ding, you can now move around the cabin to where? to the bathroom that i i have to put half of me in to start like it's is it's tiny it's inconvenient and it's uncomfortable travel hyperloop doesn't have to be that hyperloop can be very comfortable and even have a dinner car or a bar car and still be immensely more sustainable than a flight i know nope go ahead i was gonna say i think that sounds some like something that's really exciting and interesting i just didn't know that technology had already been like really I guess design. I've heard of it. I've heard people mention it, but I've never really looked into it. So I didn't. I didn't really never look at it as like the tube for the bank. That's genius. So something I found while researching some of this stuff was motion sickness. That is our body's inability to manage the change in velocity. Mm-hmm. Right. It is an evolutionary trait that has nothing to do with velocity. I would assume it's your inner ear. It's your balance. It is motion sickness triggers the same function for your body that makes it think that you've been poisoned. Oh, okay. So So that the same reactions you get with motion sickness or what comes just before motion sickness, apparently, would mimic being poisoned. You ate the wrong berries. Now you're having these effects. So your body's default response is to vomit. Oh, okay. So by being poisoned, you're really talking about drinking alcohol. That's a form of poison. It is. It is. Your body responds to it by like the feelings of like when you're drunk, how you you lose the ability to walk straight. You kind of get blurred vision. Like that's very mild effects of poison. Really, because when you drink alcohol, you're like poisoning yourself for fun. A little bit. Yeah. But I found it very interesting that our body uses the same processes for the inability to understand 
the velocity changes. So this, those sharp movements back and forth, the, as we're in a vehicle, like I don't generally get too motion sick unless I'm with my brother-in-law. If Clay is driving in Virginia, I should probably bring a bag. Other than that, I generally don't. But to me, it was very interesting to see why the body does what it does when it comes to that. I know it's not relevant to this conversation, but it's a little piece of information that I think is worth saying. I I don't get motion sickness, like flat out. I don't get it, but that's just me. I get afraid with the wrong person's driving, but I don't get motion sickness. So the the modes of transportation are try not to fly. If you have to drive your own car, do the best you can. I understand part of being realistic and realistic sustainability is to know that you've purchased a vehicle to use it. And I know that going on vacations quite often means we're taking our own vehicle. If not, ride share is good at a second family. We do it all the time with Clay and Brittany or, you know, whoever will ride with us also. That does help a little bit. But buses and trains are still by far the, the, the most efficient for sustainability reasons right now but we will see more coming like hyperloop the other part i want to say real real quick was when i was talking about that agency that rates the the cruise ships that the cruise line will no longer participate within their their rating systems what they rated was quite simple sewage treatment which we didn't discuss as a massive problem on those ships air pollution and air pollution reduction, water quality. Remember, you're, yes, you're in the ocean, but you're in the ocean in salt water. So the amount of fresh water you have to take with you, refill and add and, and waste while you're on there. Their general transparency on how they operate fuel and criminal violations. That's what they were rating when these companies said, okay, never mind, we quit. Some of them did not want to respond to the sewage treatment side some of them did not want transparency for the water compliance that's because i would assume that they're treated well they probably don't treat their water they probably dump it into the ocean i think it's supposed to be treated before they do that (laughs) but i I don't think they all do because we've had multiple reportings in the news within the last five years of just dumping i I think i actually think that treating it okay so here's an ignorant statement i wonder if treating it depending on what we're talking about here might not be worse for the water before you put it into the, I mean, if you're talking like just like waste, like human feces and that kind of stuff going to the ocean, like there are tons of critters that will just eat it. It's disgusting and gross, but they will. Right. As for treating it, I don't know how those, how those chemicals that we're talking like, like they treat it here, like at a water treatment plant with the chlorination and stuff. I don't know how that affects any of that stuff. I, I really have no idea. I'm completely ignorant to it. So if anyone, anyone that hears this has a background in, water treatment and sanitation and that kind of stuff. I would really like to hear some information on that, but I don't, I'm not surprised that they don't want to provide that information. I'm sure that those, those ships are one of those things where they have a blanket policy for their laws and the regulations and they scrape by. And then it's a lot worse than people realize. Well, okay. So I told you most of them failed miserably. So out of the 18 companies, 16 of them were flat F's flat F's, which means two of them were not. And both of those two were owned by the same company. And that same company was Disney. Disney was the only cruise line to not flat F those tri- those things. Really? Now, 
I guarantee the first thing people say when I, because I told Jamie that and a few other people when I read it, they're like, oh, because Disney has more money. <laughs> you know, they can kind of buy their rating up, but I don't think that's how these ratings I don't work. think that's accurate at all. In fact, I'd be willing to bet the other companies probably have more money than Disney. Disney, I think, puts more stock into being different. And they save money. See, here's the thing. Sustainability generally saves money. When you go through and try to become more sustainable, you spend less. So I would think big companies would be really keen on sustainability, the true sustainability, not just buying things that say they're green. But getting rid of these costs, being able to put a water treatment center in the ship so that as it's going through with this waste, it can repurpose that clean, fresh water. You know, to be able to save, be able to spend less. And maybe that's what Disney does. Maybe, maybe they do. Maybe though, here's just a spitballing. Maybe them passing it was an accident. Maybe it has nothing to do with money and it has nothing to do with like them attempting. Maybe it's just that they're Disney and that because they're a family oriented cruise, which most cruise lines aren't, Disney is. It's family oriented. It probably has a lot of, um, entertainment things that aren't quite as you know cumbersome or aren't quite as damaging to the environment there's probably a a lot less carbon footprint on a disney cruise because it's not really themed around partying and having a gay old time it's themed about enjoying time with your family and making memories maybe there's probably plays and there's probably theater shows and musicals and there's probably things on it that aren't raves and all-night parties and humongous bars don't get me wrong i'm sure there's alcohol but it's probably not five ships of people living like it's spring break for the rest of their lives. That's, Mm. that's what I would assume. I think Disney is just family oriented and it's probably something they did by accident. Well, and if anybody wants to see those ratings, it's, it's F O E.org. And one thing I didn't like about their rating system is none of it included waste. They never in any way, shape or form looked for a way to quantify the amount of waste in any one section, even waste just in food, which you could do by the pound pretty easily, is is not there. None of that information is there. Well, in order to, to, to quantify it by the pound, you would have to have numbers as to how much they purchase. But I would assume that in some cruises, it's probably easy. The cruises that are a three-day cruise, it's probably not that difficult to figure out because then they stock it for three days. But when you have cruises that go from seven to 14 days, the ship can't hold enough supplies for that amount of time. So they have to, I assume when they dock on top of being refueled, they probably are getting more supplies brought in. Yeah. I, so, think, I think they'd be able to quantify that in some way, even if it's by, by base based uh, average numbers, possibly, you know, so, but, so I wasn't real happy that you have a sustainability factor completely missing and it's a big one, but no one was passing anyways. So I guess let's start with low hanging fruit and hope someone gets a D. A D is failing are. in my book. Okay. And that's where cruises are. So that is, that was some of the more amazing things that I found. Now, how do we have a good vacation? If you want to go on a cruise, go on a cruise. Just be mindful that of what you're doing understand that you're doing it because you want to and don't just do it because it was there there's sometimes oh i got a cruise for this price and you have no idea where you're going or why just be mindful also be mindful of your transportation going from place to place what mode are you taking 
Now, can I take a train to Florida to get on a cruise? Yes. Do I have that much vacation time? Probably not. So we have to be somewhat reasonable and respectful and understand that people work their whole lives and sometimes they want to take a vacation. Although I'm learning through my wife that vacation to me is relaxation. In those large book trips, I don't relax. I get more relaxation sitting with my friends and family around the campfire than I do any trip whatsoever. Jameson is going with, with some friends and family to Vegas. I am not. The sensory overload in that city, I come back marketably worse than when I left. To me, that's not a vacation. We have to de decide what a vacation is for us. Me? I'd rather sit around the campfire. But we have to at least understand what we're doing before we do it and be mindful as we do it. I think that when it comes to vacations, I think that you should really put thought into why you're going. And I think for me, when I think about a cruise, I think that I used to love the idea. And I might go on one someday to really see what it's like because I never have. But I don't really see a purpose in it. I, I, the partying days of my life are over and I'm past that. I'd rather just sit around making good memories. Now I wouldn't mind if it was a short cruise to get to a destination that had places I wanted to go see mm -hmm. cities, beautiful architecture, art, um, ruins of, of, of past civilizations, that kind of stuff. I, I, I could probably be convinced to take a cruise to that. Instead I of think that's, there. I think that's how you'll get to Hawaii to retire with us is take a cruise, get off the ship in Hawaii, and just don't get back on it. That might actually happen. I'm not flying there. I've never been on a plane in my life. I will drive to Florida to get on that boat, and I will go to Hawaii. But I don't I don't know. And, and to be fair, a lot of the things that I've said in, in a lot of these you know episodes that we do are, are predominantly kind of harsh on this kind of stuff. And it's it's just my, my opinions because I, I've never been on a cruise and I've never been on a plane. And I, I may change my perspective once I get exposed to it and get some real life experience on it. But when you look at the numbers, look at the, the, the ridiculous waste and the human perpetuity to, to sit there and, and destroy just to enjoy themselves. It's sad to say that a lot of people in this world, when given the ability to do what they want because they're not used to it, destroy way more than they save they, they waste and they go through ridiculous amounts of anything because they can't because no one's told them no or told them that you know you probably shouldn't do that it's why do you care there, there's it's a limited well it's not unlimited and it's not forever and neither is the planet if we don't stop doing that well and i think that sometimes and i can be proven wrong but a great deal of people who overconsume in these types of situations or take these trips more often do it for what other people think about the trip they've taken than them enjoying the trip they've taken. The Instagram life sometimes leads people to do things more grandiose than what they ever would have. Yeah, I call it a life full of talking points. And I think that makes it a little bit worse because not only are you doing it for others and not yourself, but you're stepping on all the flowers to get there. So I'm glad we had this conversation. I'm glad you've pushed to to talk about vacations because what went from a, a a long script of numbers that I had here actually turned into a just a good conversation. And I'm glad we were able to have it. Well, have you ever? Well, I am too. Have you ever heard that song called Big Yellow Taxi? I have not. Uh, you probably you probably have, but because it doesn't, the name of the song hardly has to do with the song, but. The, it's by the Counting Crows, and the chorus is they paved paradise and put in the parking lot a 
big hotel and boom, you get a swinging hotspot. And then, then it goes, you know, don't always seem to go. You don't know what you got till it's gone. They pay paradise and put it in the parking lot. Mm. And it's, it's true. It, the first line of the song is they, they put all the trees and put them in a tree museum and charge you a dollar and a half to see them. And it's a really good song. It, it came out when I was, I don't know, 17, 18, maybe younger. I don't actually know when it came out, but it has a lot more relevance to today, in my opinion, because people are quickly losing the beautiful things in life in exchange for superficial like Instagram life. And, you know, that's that's OK, I guess, to some degree. But that ends that that stage of your life ends. You know, there's a lot of people don't realize that that party phase that 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 mid 20 something that that doesn't go forever you wake up one day and realize that you've lived this life and you have these fun memories if you're sober enough to remember them but you don't have anything you don't have you haven't established anything you don't have a circle of people that you love and trust around you that to enjoy life with so it i think a lot more thought needs to get put into some of the things people do going forward and I think so when it comes to vacations, take a moment and think about it. I'm, I'm learning to discover those little spots. Jamie will, loves to go hiking and we do all these things. So we find these little beautiful places and we just sit there and enjoy it. You know, so find what's good for you. Find the right kind of vacation and relax because we need that in our soul to relax before going back to everyday life. So I I encourage everybody to at least think about their vacations before they go on their vacations and do what's right for them, but do it in the eye of understanding for sustainability. So that's all we had for this week. If you like this episode, share it with a friend or or on social media. Other ways you can support realistic sustainability is by becoming a monthly sustainer on our anchor hosting site just by searching realistic sustainability, or just leaving a five-star review. Any kind of interaction helps us out tremendously. Say hi to us. We like to see it. Thank you so much again for listening. And remember, we just get together each week so we can get a little bit better. Little bit, little bit, big bit. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we'll see you next week. What's going on, everybody? My name is Rob, and I'm the host of The Curated Culture, a weekly podcast dedicated to dissecting the latest and greatest news from around the world of tech and pop culture. Now, we all know the internet can be a busy, noisy place, so let us calm that noise for you. Join us as we discuss the latest and greatest topics from the people and sources that matter most. Check us out every Thursday as we jump into fresh, original content, new interviews, and a host of other subjects that we know you'll find interesting. So jump in whatever your favorite podcast app is and search The Curated Culture. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And in the meantime, we'll catch y'all on the air.